0: Welcome to The Positive Effect. My name's April Sobral, and I am the founder of RetailU.ca and the author of The Positive Effect, a retail leader's guide to changing the world. I've had an amazing 25 year career in retail where I've traveled across the globe. I have worked and inspired thousands of leaders. And in this weekly podcast, I bring to you my retail friends and network conversations that will inspire you and encourage you to further your career in retail or beyond. We talk about leadership lessons learned and tips and tricks that can help you be a successful leader. So get ready to be inspired and if you're looking for more leadership development, sign up at www.retailuuniversity.ca. And I'll see you on a live call soon. All right, it's Wednesday. I'm back with the Positive Effect. My name is April Sobral. I am the founder and president of Retail U, and an author of the book called The Positive Effect. And every week, um, I show up here and go live with my amazing network of retail leaders. And this week, I'm so excited because I've got Rachel Williamson on. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> Hi, April. I'm so (laughs) excited to be here. Me too. You were like one of my first podcasts that I ever... Did so. Was, was I'm, I'm so, so fun. I know I'm so thrilled now to have you on my show. So, I, I can't say I'm, I'm in eternal great gratitude for you putting me on your podcast, <laughs> you know. But welcome to the positive effect.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to hear the things you're going to ask me. <laughs> great.
0: <laughs> so, um, before we jump into your uh, career story and everything about you, I'm just going to set it up. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, If you find this in your stream, please share it with your retail network because we want to get this conversation out to as many people as we can. Um, And if you're joining, you know, and you're you're back because you show up every week, thank you uh, and welcome back. And as you join, just put your name in the stream in the comments. Let us know where you're coming from and then you know make some comments as we go through the show like what are you learning what stood out for you what were some insights and highlights that can really help you because we like to go back and read the comments afterwards and really understand you know you know the value add we're here to bring valuable conversations to life about retail and leadership and really talk about the positive effect of leadership and retail as a career. I'm a big advocate, like I know you are, Rachel, for having, you know, an amazing career in retail. Huge! <laughs> you know, it is an, it's an amazing industry to work in with so many facets. So we're going to jump right in. So, Rachel, you know, tell us who you are. Tell us, um, you know, ha- I love to ask this question. This Ron always asks this question, you know, he wrote that book, right, a friend of ours, yes. like The Accidental Career. So how did you get into retail? Was it accidental? Was it intentional? Walk us through your, your, your retail journey into it.
1: So first, I'll say something super funny, and that is every podcast I do, I bring up Ron Thurston and, uh, and this whole coined phrase of accidental career, right? So that's hilarious that you brought it up. I know we're all uh, BFFs, so that's super fun. Hi, Ron, if you're watching, <laughs> uh, wherever you are, hi. Um, and so, yeah, it was completely accidental. So I wanted to be a prosecuting attorney. And um, my mom and dad used to say you've got the mouth for like you're super outgoing and you are opinionated and yet you should absolutely do that. So I was pretty sure that like every bad guy in the world, I was going to put away in prison, and that was going to be that. So I'm in college, and I'm working in retail because I came from a big family, um, didn't have a college fund like my daughter was fortunate enough to have. And so I worked my way through school, and uh, I was working in retail. And to be honest, I, I think it found me. I didn't find it. And it, you know, that feeling of when you're doing something that, you know, you should be doing, like from the very first job at 16, working at the shop for Papagallo, wearing my little preppy embroidered whale pants and monogram sweater and the little handbag with the button on cover and my penny loafers with the penny in it, right? Super prep. And I loved it. I loved retail. I loved the customers. I loved the merchandising. There wasn't a single thing about it. Um, and, and so I, you know, I was still in school, but I was really loving retail. When I finished school and it was time to think about law school and all that, I said, yeah, I don't want to do that. I actually <laughs> want to do retail. And so I got a really great job working for a small retailer and I was a buyer. So I was flying from New York to L.A. like every other month going to market, um, picking assortments. Monitoring, sell through, (laughs) and I loved it. What was interesting was I didn't end up going that buyer path in my career. I ended up doing stores and then store operations. But I think having that well-rounded background still helped me so much. One, it gave me credibility of like Hmm. what I knew, right? And I could sit at the table with a bunch of merchants, and I could (laughs) kind of hold my own, right? That was a good thing. I was great for it. So yeah, so fell right into it, and now it's been you know three decades. I love
0: it. Oh, my God. I did not know that you had that buying
1: background.
0: I had one experience of that early on in my career when I worked for this Italian retailer in London. And I remember picking the swatches for the iceberg jeans. And when it came into the store, I was like, oh, my God, it has to sell now because I chose it. And after that experience, I was like, I never want to take that on again. I will sell whatever you give me, but I don't want to be responsible for that. So I have enough respect for people (coughs) that are in those buying departments because that's a hard job. You know,
1: it is a hard job. And you've got you know, you're managing the spreadsheets because it was spreadsheets back then, right? Right. What is my open to buy? How many dollars do I have? I don't want it. I never wanted markdowns. I wanted to just sell through to the piece, right? It's so ridiculous. But (laughs) we did. I was buying for a company that had a store in a in an airport location as well as in shopping centers. And uh, if something wasn't moving other places, we put it in the airport because people traveling, they're just like quick grab buy it and move on. It was all men's apparel and uh it was great. And I was like, I I totally have an eye for men's apparel like I know I can see it at the market and I know what to buy and I knew sizes and whatever I loved it but uh but still the niche for me was uh, was stores and yeah stores so was, uh, so walk so walk us through your next
0: steps. so you said three decades so walk us through because this show is really about inspiring retail leaders that you know about a, re- a career in retail so you've had an amazing career right where you ended up oh, and what you're doing so nice. now so walk us through what happened that next, and how you got into stores and operations? Yeah, so this is
1: super fun, true story. Um, I was working for a different retailer, so I um, was recruited by another small retailer, but but even bigger. They had um, stores in what I'll call the tri-state area around uh, around where I live, and I was the area manager. So I was traveling around. I was hiring. I was training. I was merchandising. You know, when you're a when you're a mom and pop business, which yeah. is what these were, you're butcher, baker, cabinet maker, right? <laughs> you're doing everything. There's not a visual team and, you know, a loss prevention team. There's not all this. You are all of this, uh, all this rolled into one, which right. was very, really cool experience. But I was in uh, our main store here and uh, this guy comes in and I'm um, asking him questions and it's a woman's store what you doing in here? Uh, he's buying for his wife. I uh, needed a gift for her, whatever. And I'm asking all these questions. i put together an outfit and he ends up spending a lot of money. And the next day he's calling looking for me. Turns out the guy was a district manager for The Gap. And uh, he was like, yeah, what do you do? Like, what's the deal here? Great experience. Love you. Want you to come work for me? He wants me to be an assistant manager at a high volume store. I'm like, assistant manager, excuse me. First of all, no, (laughs) I'm not doing that. What I loved about him and what I learned early on was titles don't matter. Mm. What matters is what am I gonna learn out of that next experience? And I was willing to pay me more than I was making, so who cares really, right? right. Um, But I had to, you know, that was some humble pie. Like I had to learn really quickly. Like, all right, I'm gonna be an assistant manager. He's like, I promise you, if you're as good as I think you'll be, and as you think you are, you'll get promoted really quickly at The Gap. And I did, it it was an amazing experience. And so, but that was my first foray into big box retail. So when I worked for The Gap, it was late eighties. Okay. Oh my gosh. They were on the top of their game. Mm. Uh, the black and white window, big window banners, elements of style. Anybody watching? If you remember elements <laughs> yeah. of style, it was like totally. cool musicians in Gap jeans and a pocket tee and rolled up and roll and just you know they were just the coolest. And th- this ad campaign was amazing. But at that same time, Gap was opening what they called superstores. Right, I, I remember that. Like you remember yeah. superstores? Yeah. Okay, so I ran one of the first superstores, and um, twelve thousand square feet, which then was really big because Gap stores were like three thousand square feet, so it was yeah. really big. And I had it like at holiday, back to school, and Christmas, I had a team of a hundred people working for me. So I mean, it was big because you got huge freight coming in the back door and used to have to be able to bounce a quarter off the jeans. You knew the denim <laughs> fold was right if you could bounce yeah. a quarter, right? So all the things you learn. You know, I said that The Gap was really my um, operations boot camp.
0: Mm.
1: It's where I learned what running a great store really looked like. And so I, I learned a ton. I think my time at The Gap was more about being really resourceful and finding tons of people who wanted to work at your store. <laughs> Mm. Because you needed a lot of people, you needed a lot um, and, of people, yeah. and I think it was just the operations thing. And so I learned that I stayed with them for about five years, like manager of the year, trainer of the year, uh, and moved into some other roles with them. And then I got recruited again to go to Ann Taylor, and I and this was not when Ascena owned Ann Taylor; this was when like Ann Taylor was like the hottest brand, right? And so cool um, apparel and very different model, and loved the person I interviewed with, and said. Yep. Because you know, we all know this already, right? Brands, you work for people. You work for people. And so I was so excited about working for this woman. I was like, she's going to be my mentor. I'm going to learn so, so much from her. Jean St. Pierre. Hi, Jean. (laughs) Uh, Just an amazing woman. And uh, so she hired me and it was super cool to really help the brand continued to reinvent itself, and we opened a shoe brand, which was a test, and it was called Loft. So everybody knows Ann Taylor Loft. I did not uh, know about that that was- cash. Okay, but Loft used to be the shoe, like the really? shoe. Yeah, but it was a test back in the day. And then Loft, of course, just got resurrected as this really cool younger sister Stay at home kind of mom right. casual type, you wow. know, apparel. Uh, but it was an amazing experience, and I, I, you know, I brought to the organization my um, strategic mentality around how do we take this business and how do we go into women's homes and how do we assess their wardrobe and how do we have them leave with a list of all the things they need to complete these outfits and then we have an appointment and they come into the store and we finish all these outfits for them and. Bam, they've got like a closet full of what feels like all new clothes, even though they didn't buy all new clothes. And so that kind of became a thing. And the volume was through the roof at at, uh, my location. And I was overseeing a few locations and it was super cool. And then Jean left and went to Bath and Body Works. And where do you think Rachel went?
0: You followed her because I did
1: follow good people. That's right. (laughs) But I didn't follow her for. Five years, okay. because I was pregnant with my daughter Alexandra, who is turning 25 next month, and uh, and so it was. I decided to stay home. Wow! And I was like, "What's going to happen to my career? Oh no, I won't be able to be a district manager again. Like they'll think I have to start all over as a store manager." And do you know what happened? Is that actually didn't happen. As soon as I was ready to go back to work, Jean was knocking. Ready to be a DM. Got the role for you. Let's go. I love that um, you're sharing. Well, I
0: love, I'm going to pause you for a minute. I love sure. that you're sharing that because that happens to a lot of women oh, where does. they feel guilty about like this decision. Do I have to like, I want to, you know, be a mom versus what's going to happen with my career. So thank you for sharing that. So it is possible You, if you take a break, you can go back and you don't have to start again.
1: You absolutely can. And someone might say, okay, but that was 20 years ago. It's changed, we've had COVID, we've had this. And here's what I'll say about retail. COVID has just been another interruption, maybe a more serious one because the first time in my life I can remember stores actually shutting down for, for a period. But there's always been interruptions that have caused retail to go sideways. And so to think that 2020 was the first time, no. yeah, I can track you back the 80s, the 90s, 2000, 2008, of course, the, the big recession. And then the years leading up to the, you know, 2020, like there's always been something right. Retail is just, it just is. And, and so I can tell you that I do tell that story to a lot of women who don't want to go back to work. They're not ready right away and they want to stay home with their babies, but they think they've spent all these years building a career and they don't want to give it up. I'm like, you won't give it up though. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was an amazing experience. So Alexandra started kindergarten and I went back to work and it was great. And so, um, yeah, so I was uh, I did a little recruiting for them, kind of got the city and straightened up. There was some people shortages. And then I was a DM. I had a little market and then they gave me the biggest market, which was amazing. And I learned a ton during my time at Bath and Body Works. Um, It was probably the next most meaningful time for me as far as developing my own leadership style. I learned a ton about running great stores at the Gap and at Ann Taylor, and I got to apply my own ideas and and grow businesses. But when I got to Bath and Body Works, you're talking about you're like one, it's 1,600 stores, and you are one of a couple hundred district managers and how do you differentiate yourself? Mm. How do you, um, you know, I've got a whole bang thing going on. So <laughs> okay, <there you> go. <laughs> how do you, um, how do you learn from the best who are around you right. and how do you grow and how do you do it in a way where you're not, you don't feel threatened. You rather are you're humble about it and you're like, wow, I really want to be like, that district manager that just did that, like, I really watched. And so one of the things that I learned from our, um, our, our leaders, both my regional manager, the zone VP, the the head of stores, was you have to have this intense curiosity Mm. because when you're super curious about what's going on around you, you learn, you're absorbing, you're taking it in. And so curiosity really became uh, just kind of something that I I had to be about. right? And I would, I would literally use the word. I'm curious. Tell me more about that. Like, oh, what did you that. say you just did? <laughs> and so I find that when you are a type A personality and you feel like you're super driven, motivated, you've been successful, whatever, it's easy to get defensive about. Like if someone says to you, oh, you should do that different or better. And it's like, wait, what? I thought it was so good. And mm-hmm. so what it did is it took me off that path of just how I felt like I was whiter, and it took me on a new path and I had to actually have these little sayings like I'm curious tell me more about that like and I just I share, love right that, though,
0: because that means like when I love that cuz when you're in a conversation with somebody and you actually call that out I mean imagine like I'm just like you saying it to me as a person you're saying that to me I would want to share everything that I'm right? doing right with you because right? it makes me feel so appreciated and open to you. So I love that. That's
1: Right. And so I actually had to learn, I had to learn a few new, uh, lines like that, that I could practice and learn a new muscle. Not that I had to be the best. I remember my boss at limited Two. so was that BBW was at Victoria's secret, went over to, I've got recruited to limited to, to help them kind of clean up the years and years and years of that iconic brand (laughs) and take it into the future. Um, And so I had a boss there and he came into my office one day and he said, I need to tell you something, but I'm going to ask you permission. To give you this feedback and so i'm thinking oh this is going to be so bad so i'm like of course permission granted what's up he goes and barry if you're watching you know i'm talking about you. <laughs> barry Esposito, one of my favorite bosses he said i need you to release yourself by having to have all the answers all the time
0: oh i
1: need you to release yourself from having that pressure and i was like but people expect it of me now i'm the director of store ops they expect me to I sit in a meeting, they ask a question and he goes, no, here's, here's what you say. That's an interesting question. Let me think about that and circle back with you. I really want to make sure that I'm intentional about, about what I say. He goes, you don't have to be off the cuff all the time because you just don't. And if you practice that, you won't feel like when you don't have, if you do have the answer, give it. But if you don't have the answer, you don't have to, he's like, I can see you getting like flushed. Like that I would answer them, a, right? That's
0: such a great insight. Like, if I was watching this, I'd be taking notes right now because you are dropping some <laughs> golden nuggets. It's like, I remember having that moment where I was like, right? I didn't have to have all the answers when I started moving up. And then I was more becoming the facilitator, creating environments where people would share and I could draw things out of them. But right. we all have that moment, right, at different levels of leadership in our career where we're like, You know, we think that we need to know the answers and we actually don't. We need to be able to to help people come together with a ton of different answers and then kind of select the best ones. But that that is a lot of pressure when you feel that you have to come up on the spot and have an answer. So I love what you just shared and that piece of feedback that he gave you. That must have been game changing for you.
1: It was. It was probably another just big pivot moment in my um, in my own personal leadership style and just in how others would perceive me. I was like, I thought I was being so helpful by having the answers. And then what I realized was some people perceive that as, well, does she a little miss know it all? Like, what's the deal here? She just knows everything. And Um, And so I did. It was it was a a pivot for me, for sure. And I think the other thing that was cool was right after that, we were doing some uh, work around desk and other things in the organization. And you learned that your team really should be the D's, the I's, the S's, the C's. Right. Right. Uh, Right. the mix of all the all of our different styles and our different ways of, of uh, responding to things and thinking about things helped us get to jointly a far better far better answer a far well, better well, decision that's, the, that's than, the magic of working right? with a diverse team right 100% exactly and so you know if i looked back you, you always stop and you look back and you say okay what did I just learn here? I used to have a store filled with people just like Rachel. And if I could go back and redo that store... It would be a store filled like with Rachel's and April's and you know right all of our, us that have a different style or, right, or right. similar styles different styles but the 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 beauty is in the mix right it's that melting pot oh, thing. 100% I remember I when
0: I remember my first multi-site role and I remember this clearly when I was doing store visits and I was like I thought when I went from store manager to like DM that everybody ran a store like me and then I went into everybody else's stores and I was like, oh man, they don't run a store like me. And my first mistake <laughs> was trying to get them to run a store like me. That wasn't going to work, right? Like you were going to headbutt. It was really about helping them have the skills to make it their own and bring out the best in their team. And and not like you just said, make like their store just like them, like to bring that diverse. It was such like a learning experience for me and I remember getting that feedback you know like people think that you know it's all about you and I was like man it's not about me but I could totally see where that was coming from so so many lessons but okay so so you went from limited brands and then how, how did you get to justice? Was that cause you ended up as the vice president of operations for justice, right?
1: Yeah, I did. So limited Two and justice were sister companies okay. They weren't owned by limited brands at that time. Um, and, and so limited Two had like a higher end kiddo line that like we all know, iconic brand right. justice was kind of her less expensive, younger sister that okay. came along. And what happened was in 2008, when of course the crises happened, um, the decision was made to close limited 2 and allow justice to be the singular brand it was less expensive and uh what have you so even though it was it was not um a well-known name at that time like right. limited 2 we took a really scary leap and of course it ended up being quite successful and so i um actually went from being the director of store operations for limited to 580 locations to having over a thousand locations. Wow. And I worked my way from director to um, AVP to VP. And it was such an incredible experience. And it was amazing to just navigate so many changes in business. And you know, when it was happening, it was like, ugh, could one more change happen? Like, this <laughs> is insane. But do you know what it did? What? <laughs> it prepared me for having my own business and having to build this bridge while I walked across it. You know, in the moment when you're having experiences at work that you're scratching your head going, I don't know about this. What we don't always realize is how they're preparing us for something down the road. And so I think that in everything we're doing, good, bad, probably there's been more bad than good (laughs) as of late for so many people. But there's something in that. That mm-hmm. is going to help you down the road, and we just don't always see it right in that moment. So I'm, that's the.
0: Um, I no, think so. that's the beauty of a career in retail, right? Because you get to, you know, I always say whenever I would talk to people that weren't in retail, and they're just like, "Oh, well, you just sell things, right? Like you just <laughs> learn to sell things." I'm like, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, <Really>? no, <laughs> I'm like way more than that. A because, little bit more than that. A little bit more than that. But you literally learn." how to build a business, you know, drive millions of dollars, train and develop hundreds and thousands of people, influence, impact, communicate, receive feedback, P&Ls. I mean, there is so much, so much in a retail career that you learn. So I know that you've shared a little bit of lessons learned, you just shared some nuggets, but is there any real pivotal moments that you can kind of track back and go, this was a really good lesson learned or decision for my career that could anybody watching this could really learn from because our, our goal is to share those so that people that are watching this can really learn and apply them in their own career or be inspired
1: yeah I I'd probably say that probably the biggest thing was my most recent experience when I actually went through a layoff okay. um, and layoffs had been happening for probably the last 10 years right because Uh, after 2008 companies are shifting and downsizing and there was always that threat. And so here we go. Type A personality. What do you think I'm doing? I'm going to make myself indispensable. I'm going to become an expert on so many things. There's no way they're going to be able to do without me. And I, and I did go a really long time like that, where I, you know, I wasn't the one experiencing uh, the situation, but then I got to a point where it was like, Yeah, this whole department is shutting down, which Mm. means you can try and apply for something somewhere else, but maybe, maybe not. And so I think I learned right then what an illusion control is, right? Mm. I mean, we think we're managing our career. We're making ourselves indispensable. We're learning a ton of things. But all of that is really an illusion. You are doing those things, but it doesn't guarantee you.
0: Right what
1: tomorrow is right. It just doesn't. Mm. And so that was a really big aha moment for me. Um, and also just after, you know, when you're in store operations, you you a little bit help make sure that stores all run, you know, like they should. Yeah. You have a great experience with all that. You're pretty buttoned yeah. up. You yeah. every I is dotted, every T is crossed. That's what I thought I got paid to do. So to make a shift from doing that type of a job to starting your own business is a pretty significant shift. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, what I realized was I didn't have to have all the answers. It circled right back to me. I remember talking to Barry, actually, and he, you know, I reminded him of that conversation. And I, I really just gave myself some grace to take a moment. And after being so driven and so motivated for so many years of my career, always having to do more and more, to just say there's something better for me and what is that going to be? And um, I was, you know, reading a ton. I've always been an avid reader. I have an enormous uh, library of leadership books, of course, Positive Effect. It sits right there on my desk and um, I look at it often um, for inspiration. And and so, I, you know, for me, it was, I'm just going to step out on a limb and I'm going to do this. Mm. And it started by buying the the URL for the website, it was available. And then building a website with a friend and then and writing, writing, writing and publishing on LinkedIn and whatever. And before long, it just became a business that is now thriving. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. But it, I really had to just be willing to take a step out where I was completely uncomfortable. And I had to lean into that discomfort. I no longer mm. had the answers. I could easily fail. Uh, and, and so I started to just get up every day and say, what's the worst thing that can happen to me today with what I'm about to try and do? And the worst thing usually came down to pride, right? Someone's going to say, no, I, we don't think this is valuable or we don't want to hire you or whatever, fill in the blank, right? Only I wasn't getting that. Instead, I was getting, well, that's interesting. Well, that's super fun. Well, hey, do this, do that. And what I learned was I had to take my eyes off I'm trying to build a business and put my eyes on I want to help people. Right. I want to so, make and, and, a difference in the world. It wasn't about I want to make a million dollars. It wasn't about I, I want to have the biggest retail consulting firm on the planet. It was none of that. It was that I want to help two things, people that are going through layoffs, and I want to help them. I know what good resumes look like. I know what a good LinkedIn looks like. And I'm willing to be a listening ear. And I just dedicate a time to just listening to people talking, helping, building.
0: Well, I and I think that's good advice for anybody, wherever you are, whether you're like you or me now, you know, helping our industry with what we're doing, or if you're in a retail career and you want to grow and pivot or whatever it is, I think that's just golden advice because if you're if you go back to our retail careers why did we grow so much in our careers was because exactly what you just said we wanted to help people we wanted to solve problems we wanted to be in service to others we wanted to build great teams and make people feel good so you're doing the same thing now it's just you're outside of the parameters of a brand and 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 building your own brand but why couldn't you do that because you've done it for such amazing organizations i mean A thousand stores, Rachel, that's a huge accomplishment.
1: A thousand stores was, I don't know, I think back and I'm like, I always go, oh, when I was a DM, that was my favorite job. Like, (laughs) that was was so awesome. That was my favorite. Oh, no, when I was uh, VP of store operations and I had a thousand stores in North America, right, and we opened Canada and then we opened a boys brand. And I'm like, oh, no, that was my favorite, right? You look back and you're like, oh, no, that was great. That was great. And so I'm so blessed to have... Had all these great experiences that I can look back on and say, oh, those were all so great. And now 10 years from now, I'll look back and say, by far, the most fun I had was really being able to help people outside of a corporate role and be able to make my own rules Yeah, and be able to decide what I do today and what I do tomorrow and what I do next week and be able to help smaller businesses who don't have all of the resources that all these great brands that I had the pleasure of working for have, and being able to help them be successful without all of those pieces and parts, like helping them see that there are things they can do. And in running stores, it's operationally excellent stores. You can't have a bad leader and expect a good retail store. Oh, and and that's why
0: I am so passionate about leadership, because I can tell you from my own experience, it's like, Whenever I would make a, uh, if whenever I would leave a leader, it, okay, if I had a result that was not going the way I want it, or the customer comments or the insights were not great, and I left a leader in there for too long because of whatever reason, we get attached to people, we want to help people, okay. we think we can change people. And then if I would make that, and then I, you know, I learned this, I, I kept one leader in a position too long, and then I made a change and I saw the results change dramatically. And I was like, man, if I could have done that like a year ago. But I think that's, that's a lesson learned. We work in a business where we connect with people, where we have, build relationships. That's what makes retail so good. And that's what makes the experiences so good. But as a leader, you have to really recognize what the impact of leadership does on a business. And it's one of those things. It's like I get asked all the time, what's the ROI of leadership development? And I've just started talking about ROE return on expectations instead of return on investment. Because if you want to deliver like and achieve all the expectations you set out as a team, as an organization, you have to have great leaders and don't assume that all leaders know how to lead. There's, in it, there's leadership within everybody, I believe. But like pulling it out and giving them the tools and resources of how to have those conversations. can't tell you how many times people have said to me, how do I say this? How, how can I have that conversation? Like they're fearful of having those tough conversations with people. But like you said, you know, the person that gave you that conversation was such an aha moment. And look at how it changed your career. So that's why I'm so passionate about leadership development. That's why we're doing what we're doing at Retail You, because we just
1: believe in it so much. Right that's right, that's right. There is no shortcut for leadership development. Uh, there just isn't. I mean, I look at uh I'm a big follower of Simon Sinek, and I love his videos and and he talks about leadership and and like you, I think he thinks that leadership is in all of us, but it's like a muscle, and you have to. You have to learn use it. You've got to learn. You've got to grow as a leader every day. You can't just be, okay, I've got people that report to me. I'm a leader. No, no. You're a manager if you have people who report to you. Yeah. You're a leader when you take those people and you, and you develop them to be the best that they can be.
0: So we're coming up to 9.30. I could stay talking to you for like a I whole
1: know. While. <laughs> I can't even believe it's the End of the time, Whatever. Like, we're gonna stay on a bit longer, <laughs> so we're gonna go
0: for another five, five, seven minutes, I think, and then, um, and we'll have to have you back for part two.
1: <laughs> so. Oh, I would love to, I would love to, so I, I could talk about this whole leader thing know, like all day with you,
0: but like, if you had to, like, give, I always say this, like, retail's really evolved, and you talked about it a lot, like, all there's always been disruptions in retail, there's always been things that are changing. So, if you look at retail, like, the future that you know the next 10 years for leaders coming into it, finding this conversation. What's Rachel Williamson's and your dog's giving us some advice? As
1: well. Um McGregor just wants you to know what she thinks. So nicely timed, <laughs> so, McGregor, I nicely timed. <laughs> so what what
0: um what advice would you give retail leaders to be successful in the future? Like what's Rachel Williamson's advice, you know?
1: Yeah, so probably three things. One is you can never stop learning. Uh, so sign up, take classes, watch videos, read books. Amazon is probably delivering another leadership book today. Um, I'm an executive coach. And so I work through with people. Um, I work through books with them on yeah. how they're learning and developing. So I would just say you you can never stop learning. That's number one. You've, we've never arrived, right? Right. Um, number one. Number two. You've got to really learn to be resilient. And I think there's a lot of folks that struggle. We learned in 2020 who the resilient ones were. Yeah. And I think to be effective in retail, you have to be resilient. You've got to be ready to pivot and yeah. do something different uh, in order to make your store make sense. And then um, I think the third thing is, is you really have to be in tune with your customer. You know, we have a tendency to think our ideas are fantastic. We're, we're smart people, right? We have great ideas. But what I'll say is, if they're not solving for a customer pain point or something that the customer... Maybe isn't even a pain point, but something that doesn't make the customer's experience better—it's probably a waste of time, energy, and money. Um, and so, I would just encourage—I'm a big design thinking um, person, an advocate—and uh, I believe if we use empathy to understand our customers' pain points, and that customer, by the way, can be your internal associates, your internal customer, and it can be your external customer. But uh, but those are probably the three things that I. How, would... how, that's such great advice, and like one thing
0: I used to do religiously when I was running stores was I would go into the stores and I see you on LinkedIn, driving to a mall, going yep. to talk to store managers. I think yep. what's unique about what you're doing is you talk to store managers constantly.
1: They have the answers, by the way, for any head stores or regional managers that are listening, stop trying to come up with all the answers, get out of the office, get in your car, drive to a store, talk to your managers, talk to your stock associate, talk to your part-time salespeople and and they will tell you what you need to solve for. And they're usually right. So uh, I find that's where I'm the most inspired is when I spend time talking to leaders in our retail stores right now and, and understanding what their struggles are and what they're hearing from the customer. And that's the best place to start.
0: 100%. I remember the last thing I did at David's Tea before I left was bring 50 managers to the office, sat them in a room, had a p- massive post-its on the wall, all different departments and was like, write down what you do from a process standpoint how long does it take you and then we spent them and then they presented to the departments and then we spent the next 6 months flipping those post its you know to 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 taking away get, uh, helping them get their time back with the customer yeah. as opposed to looking for a price tag which took them half an hour which the office didn't even know right so like to me that is so important, especially we've been in a year of social distancing to get back in the stores. So that's right. Your your advice is golden. And I love the name of your company. I found you, you because <laughs> of your social posts <laughs> and the name of your company. I'm like running great. What what's it called again? It's like running, running great, great stores. stores. I'm like, yeah. yeah, who doesn't want to run great stores?
1: You know, and I bought and I bought a I bought myself a Mini Cooper last year, British Racing Green with the Canadian the uh English flags on the mirrors. And the license plate on the front is Running Great Stores. And so as I travel around, there's like managers that will write a note and leave it on my windshield. Or like, are you in my store Where are you? It's so cute. I keep all of those. But um, it's really fun, and when managers are around, and they'll lean on the on the bonnet, and I'll take their picture, and those are gonna <gasps> we're gonna start a social media oh. uh, campaign around those. Like I am running great stores, like just oh managers God. out there. Oh, now, now you're <laughs> fucking in the background. <laughs> So funny. Use your timer. It's like, I think y'all's time is up.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. So how, Rachel, how can people, this was an amazing conversation and I am going to have you I'm back so for part glad. two, Good. but Good. how can people find you? I know that you're launching now something new in your business and yep. operating toolbox or something like that, right?
1: I am launching the re- digital retail playbook and uh, you can learn more about it if you go to runninggreatstores.com and just click on retail playbook. It'll tell you all about it. It's a subscription-based model for retailers Small retailers or larger emerging retailers to be able to have all of the operational, um, all the operational excellence that they need to run a really great business, people, customer experience and operational excellence. So it's super exciting. I've been selling it like crazy uh, and it's, it's going to help so many retailers be able to run great stores and, and drive better customer experiences, which will result in. Ta-da. Better sales. Better goals, right? which is, we're not a non profit, right? <laughs> Retail is out to make money. So check it out. Check it
0: out if we keep driving results and helping businesses do that, then there'll be more people to be employed in jobs. So it's, it's all good, right? Absolutely. So I, I can't it. thank you enough for all the work that you're doing in our industry. Mm-hmm. You're a positive force, making a positive impact on everybody that you come into contact with. So I can't thank you enough. And I'm just so happy that I'm a friend of yours now.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, April. Well, thanks for today. It was so fun to get a break from my day and all my meetings. And of course now I'm going to jump back into them. but it was awesome. And so, much- much fun. Would love to be back anytime.
0: So, with that, you know, like you got all our golden words and wisdom and, and learned a bit <laughs> more about Rachel's story, you can reach out to her. We'll definitely go back and share anything that you learned from this conversation. And I'm going to say it again. If you find this in your feed, please share it. Share it with your retail network because these are amazing golden conversations, mentorship conversations, really, that are coming to life that have never really been on a platform like this before. So can't thank you enough. And um, we'll see you next week on another episode of the positive. Bye for now. Bye, Rachel. Thank you.
1: Bye. Thanks, everyone.